Yes, welcome into Temple and Heilprin. We're live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie as normal. It is quite rainy out. I was not expecting that. February 8th, getting an absolute pounding uh, rainstorm here, Jesse. Not my favorite drive, but I'm here, so it's all good. Well, that's great. Good to hear. Glad that you are. Uh, Luke Fickle is in Milwaukee. He is talking to the uh, reporters for the first time since uh, the bowl game. Unfortunately, we are here, which is which is fine uh, that we can't, you know, what's, what's really going to come out of that. But we'll update you as we go along uh, with anything that may pop out of uh, his availability. Uh, one thing that did break this afternoon, not unexpected, but Owen Strebeck, the offensive lineman out of Catholic Memorial in the class of 2024, uh, the top-ranked player in the state of Wisconsin, is going to Notre Dame. Not unexpected. Yeah, this is something we definitely knew was coming. What was what was that? The twenty twenty five class. Oh, excuse me, twenty twenty five class. Yeah, it, it it comes up quick. Um, now I talked to him a few weeks ago. Probably feels like a few months ago, but he was coming off a junior day visit to Wisconsin and had a lot of great things to say. But it was the first time that he met AJ Blazek, who was obviously recently hired as the offensive line coach. And it came a couple days before Joe Rudolph and Marcus Freeman were coming to Waukesha Catholic Memorial to see him which came a day before he was going down to South Bend with his family for the sixth time <laughs> as a recruit. So this has been in the works for a, a long, long time. And I think I mentioned this out of that story, but in talking to Catholic Memorial's athletic director, he, he said, honest to God, I basically can't believe that he even went on the visit to Wisconsin. I'm largely paraphrasing, but everybody knew this was coming. you got to give Joe Rudolph a ton of credit, and certainly some of this has to do with Proximity because Rudy was the coach at Wisconsin back in 2021 when Strebeck was a freshman. And so they were able to connect then. And obviously, he kept it going outside of the year at Virginia Tech. I don't know what kind of conversations they might have had then or conversations. I'm sure they offered them. (laughs) But um, so this is a big deal for Notre Dame. And I think people will look at this from the Wisconsin perspective and say, oh, my goodness, the wall is crumbling. and, And what does this mean? And Look, he's the number one guy in the state, so that matters. Wisconsin obviously wanted him. They did everything they could. I know that the staff went up to Catholic Memorial during that open recruiting period. But um, it's just it's a changing landscape. And maybe that sounds like uh, an excuse, but you and I talked about this on previous show, that kind of feels like the wall has opened up a little bit here, and guys are willing to explore other options. And they're also being recruited so early by all these other schools that um, I think that's part of the equation here, too. Also, a new staff where you're trying to meet people is uh, part of this, too. Yes. Uh, we talked about it on the camp this week. You know, A.J. Blazek is the fourth offensive line coach in as many years, which also means he's the fourth offensive line coach trying to recruit guys here, and that is not easy. And he's he, I think he made sure to mention that he has been a, a number of different places, but he's not a one-and-done type of guy, and that's certainly the message that he was trying to get across to recruits and and probably something that he will continue to to try and do wisconsin needs to try and do because there has been so much turnover there but there there, other schools i think are treating wisconsin differently and there's also a bit of a blood in the water type of thing where you get one guy you get one guy and all of a sudden it kind of opens it up and notre dame certainly seen that penn state has kind of seen that as well where they got guys in what was the 2022 class and all of a sudden it starts opening up and they were able to grab guys in 2024 and again i understand a couple of the guys that penn state got the 2024 class were not guys that wisconsin re-offered but they did get garrett sexton as well a guy wisconsin offered very very late in the process um but notre dame you know got billy shrouth and 
now it's led to uh, Owen Strebig also uh, heading there as well. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's the reason why, but they they have a foothold. That they've been able to stick their foot in here and, and kind of grab a little bit of a foothold. It's not simply Wisconsin or bust anymore. Yeah, the reason why this is a big deal also is because of the way the Badgers had had so much success in the state. Before this 2024 class, they had gone on a run of seven straight years where they got the number one player in the state. And some of those years, they got the top five or top six guys in the state. Look, sometimes it works out like that. And obviously, as you mentioned, Zach, things are changing a little bit where the door is open. And the other thing is, I think this is worth noting, too, um, they're not going to programs that are like, you know, before... Barry got here, and it was just Iowa, Illinois, and not that those were bad programs, but Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State, teams that are competing for college football playoff spots, guys that have a lot of talent and want to do that. And I, I, I do think that's worth pointing out, too. Like, Wisconsin's been good, but hasn't quite been great. And for these guys that believe that they have greatness and have seen success at these other programs at that level, that matters, too. But, you know, that record of the, the seven straight years of getting the number one guy um, – I don't know if we're going to see that again, huh. to be quite honest. Let's also be honest about what Wisconsin's been over the last four years. Yes. Right? Four and three, nine and four, seven and six, seven and six. And that's part of my point, too, in, in the appeal of some of these other programs that have had more success of late than Wisconsin. I mean, you think about how old Owen Schubig was when they went to the Rose Bowl in 2019. What? He was like in seventh grade, sixth grade, seventh grade? Like yeah. it, it, it doesn't resonate at the same level as maybe as it uh, did. And all the people that were involved in that aren't here anymore there's you know like casey robach was not here when in, in 2019 like he is obviously the wisconsin guy on the staff but things have changed and again wisconsin did such a great job of supplementing uh their 2024 recruiting class with guys from out of state uh that were able to replace some of the guys that they lost in state they're going to actually have to do the same thing in 2025. Yeah, I think it's worth touching on a little bit more of A.J. Blazek because we did have a chance to talk to him on Wednesday. I know we mentioned this on the camp, but one of the things that he said that I thought was uh, notable, among many things, but he talked about his recruiting approach and, and in general what he's looking for. He's familiar with this. I mean, he, he is from Wichita, Kansas, but he went to Iowa. He's been around the Midwest, says his wife's family's from Iowa. So he knows Wisconsin's success. And he talked about how often he has had conversations with Casey Robach and was and was saying that back in those days, you go and you get the best talent and look at, like, say, the 98 Rose Bowl team. Chris McIntosh, uh, in-state product. Robach, in-state product. But he talked about Aaron Gibson, Indianapolis. Yep. Like, a, a couple of the other guys who were starters were from Pennsylvania. So he said, we want to get the best players in this state and then fill in around them. And I think that's been an approach that's obviously worked for a number of years, but he's got his work cut out for him. I think the big challenge with him in part is trying to provide a little bit of that long-term stability. And I, I you never know what's going to happen, but it feels like he at least sees the value in this place and could potentially be here a little bit longer you never know, but I, I look at all the other stops that he's had, and he's had like seven stops in a 20-plus year career, but none of them were this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he was in lower level, or he was at Rutgers, and that was not a very good team, and he was at Vanderbilt. Other than that, I mean, you know, FCS level, so I think maybe this could be a, a good situation where he can stick around a little bit because he's got a lot of enthusiasm and maybe that'll help on the recruiting trail he does and the thing about the other thing that he mentioned yesterday or at least we have talked about is the fact that he has a experienced group coming back like four of the guys coming back they got some experience and they have some talent talented older 
guys that haven't necessarily played that could potentially play. But then he's got five true freshmen, you know, that are going to have to fill in the two deep just based on what they have scholarship-wise in terms of guys that have left and gone elsewhere. So he's got a he's got a job in front of him, not just obviously on the recruiting trail, but certainly uh, what he's got to work with uh, on the field as well. All right. We were going to start with basketball until the uh, the Ellen Sturbeck thing comes up, but uh, we will get to basketball now. The Badgers go on the road last night, and, uh, the, the, you know, the loss at Nebraska, that sucked, right? You get you blow an 18-point lead, that hurts. Uh, you lose at home to number two, Purdue. You had some opportunities. That one hurts as well. But we don't press the panic button over those two losses. What about going on the road and losing at a team that had seven total wins the entire year, had lost, I want to say, ten of their, nine of the last ten Big Ten games coming into that one? They lose at Michigan. Uh, they lose to a team that is quite honestly not very good. Um, now, again, they do have their best player when they're playing at home than, than when they go on the road with McDaniel. But that said... Are we pressing the panic button with the basketball team with three straight losses for the first time this year? I am not pressing the panic button right now, but this does start to make you wonder whether they have lost the magic that they had before and whether this is going to be more of the team we see in the next month. And if that's the case, then absolutely they're in big, big trouble. There is something to be said for when you find that bit of magic how do you sustain that and we've seen wisconsin teams in the past not necessarily be able to sustain it but get it back or just collapse completely at the end and they bow out in the first weekend of the ncaa tournament but there are things that are a trend now that are extremely concerning the turnover situation for a wisconsin team that traditionally does not do that it's it's not good i mean they finished with seven assists and 12 turnovers they had three turnovers in the first two minutes like you could just tell they were not ready. They, um, they had six in their first 19 possessions. Yeah. And and like I had mentioned, I think, on an episode of The Swing, it's not as though they're an up-and-down team. They are no. one of the slowest-paced teams in the country. And so when you end up with 12 turnovers, you're, just, you're shooting yourself in the foot, but it hurts even more so for a program like Wisconsin because you just can't get those opportunities back by manufacturing a bunch of we took six seconds off the shot clock and managed to score. So that's point number one. And then there were just individual guys who are struggling. Like Stephen Crowell, he he struggles against physical interior guys and did so again against Michigan. And you need him to be the seven-foot center who we've seen on occasion can be dominant. Even the A.J. Storr situation is interesting because it's it felt like he started to settle for some shots. To the point that against Michigan, guard pulled him, if I'm not mistaken, for John Blackwell at one point, where he just kind of took a deep three and could have got that at any point in the shot clock. you got to fix those things. All those things roll into what we're seeing here. They are. So the big thing that we talked about early in the season was could they continue to maintain what they were doing offensively, right? It was could they continue to score at 1.2 and 1.3 points per possession even when they weren't making threes. And it was like, yes, because they're getting the ball inside, they're finishing the inside, and they're getting to the free throw line. And the common denominators, and this is, that's Greg Gar's words, the common denominators that have started to pop up in what they're struggling with is settling for shots. Now, maybe they did a little bit better there in the second, in the late in the first half and in the second half. Um, where a lot of their baskets were layups because Michigan couldn't, you know, A.J. Storr was able to get a little bit better to the basket uh, in the second half. 
But that is that's a significant struggle, right? And then it is the turnovers. The turnovers pop up, and when you have what was it? I think it ended up be like sixty-five possessions. If you're turning it over on a close to eighteen percent of the time, you're killing yourself. You're killing yourself. And old, I mean, other Badger teams used to be able to make up for that with what they were able to do defensively, but this team is not very good defensively. And that was the other common denominator that for the game last night was their inability to stop the ball. Do not they do not stop the ball and. Well, you can see, he's like, maybe I, you know, I need to change some things in how we play some stuff. Or maybe also need to change some things in terms of bodies, the bodies that are on the floor uh, doing that, the ones that understand what they're trying to do. Those are all very concerning words coming from your head coach on February uh, 8th. Yes, very much so. Um, and the turnovers against Nebraska, they had, what, eight assists and 16 turnovers in that game. So that's just so uncharacteristic. You never want to have twice as many turnovers as you do assists. But very notable comments from Greg. At, at this stage of the season win, you don't want to have those kinds of questions where you're asking, do no. I need to change my lineup and who's going to be available? The thing is, the thing is, he has said, and, he, and we know this, and it wasn't so much the shot selection and the turnovers at earlier points in the season. When they would lose, yes. But when they would win... It was still the defense, like the Indiana game. The Penn St- I know they lost the Penn State game, but there were there have been other games where it's just like, holy hell, who are these guys, and why have they not been able to play the type of defense that they played last year when it's a lot of the same guys? And again, I know uh, AJ Store is certainly a part of it, but he's it's a, it's a team wide thing. It is not a single player thing that has re- re- uh, resulted in what they've been defensively of late. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't even say of late, pretty much the entire season. I think it's also worth noting just. The lack of significant bench production in a game like that, but and John Blackwell was dealing with an injury. Yep. He didn't really practice leading up to that, and I think that's got to have something to do with it because he only ends up with 11 minutes played, takes three shots, scores three points. You know, the Wisconsin's been counting on him for double-digit scoring. Um, Nolan Winter plays 17 minutes and scores one point. Connor Siegen comes in off the bench and misses all of his shots. Like, those are guys that they have relied on to get to this point, and so you need more out of them, but obviously your your horses that you're relying on have got to be consistent. Is it fixable before March? I think so, yes. And I say that largely because of how long they played good basketball. It's just... But are they but who they are defensively? Well, then you start to wonder, like, exactly, that's what I was going to say. Is this who they are? And you get into a matchup against teams that have athletic guards and a real physical big man, and Wisconsin can be in big trouble. I mean... It's um, it's not the ideal time to be on a three-game losing streak, is what I would say. On the other hand, if you're looking for positives, the Big Ten is just not good. So they're still pretty well clear in third place. Are they still locked to make the tournament? I, I feel confident with that, yes. Uh, again, NCAA tournament? Yeah. Well, the Big Ten's not kitting people out this year. They would have to go on a losing streak of epic proportions. So I still I feel confident, yeah. All right. Any compa- you covered the 2013-14 Badgers. Yeah. There's been some comparisons to them. They lost 5-6 of six at one point. They, um, After starting 16-0, and 0, they lost 5-6 of six right around late January, early February. We uh, talked about that game because we talked about Sam Decker and yeah. him, him <laughs> ripping uh, his, to his team sh- to shreds. I think after the third game, the, when they lost at Minnesota, that was after the third game that he ripped them to shreds. They then beat, at, they went on the road and beat Purdue. 
and then came home and lost two more games before they finally turned it around. But do you see any comparisons to that team? I think because a lot of people have compared compared this team to that one, a really good offensive team, maybe some struggles defensively. Um, do you see any comparisons? It's probably the most apt comparison, I would think. What's insane about that team is they were number three in the country before they went on that losing streak, and by the time it was over, they were somehow unranked well, and obviously went on a great run and made the final four. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, it'd be the closest comparison that I can think of because of the high highs that we've seen what this team is capable of and what we're witnessing right now. The big key is... Can you fix what ails you right now in time for that NCAA tournament, or at least late in this regular season? Because I, I don't think this is a situation where they're just going to turn on the switch once the NCAA tournament happens. But they sort of backed their way in and went five and five in the last ten or something like that. Again, what Wisconsin did that year is certainly something I think is manageable with this this group. But if they lose on Saturday, they will be unranked just like this team. Yes. Going from number six to unranked in, in less than two weeks. I shouldn't say less than two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Be, be, Losing be, to three uh, unranked teams. And two teams that are at the bottom of the conference. Um, when I go back and look at what those teams were, I recall Michigan being pretty good that year. Um, Indiana is what it is. Minnesota was not any good that year. Northwestern was horrible, and that was the first time I think they ever beat them at the Kohl Center, or maybe that was the first time they beat them since the first year at the Kohl Center, and then obviously Ohio State was ranked as well. But um, we'll see. Wisconsin, the, the Big Ten is not great, hmm. but playing at Rutgers, never an easy thing, I think, for uh, a team to do. All right, going to come back on the other side, play a little overreaction or no. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We are at Monks in Sun Prairie. Talk a little, uh, turn a little thing, our attention to, to football here a little bit. Play a little overreaction or no. Obviously, the Mike Vrabel story that uh, ESPN broke on uh, Thursday. Pete Thamel spoke with him a little bit, said that he's going to be around the team as much as possible, I believe is what it, uh, or, man, well, we'll see. We'll see. Either way, um, Mike Vrabel being around the program in the spring and fall is a non-story and not a big deal. Is that an overreaction or no? Um, I guess it's a slight overreaction. Like, I'm of the mind that it is a story, but don't know how big of a deal it is, largely because we have no idea what any of this means. All we know is that Vrabel does not currently have a job after uh, being the head coach of the Tennessee Titans for the last six years, and Luke and Vrabel are best buddies, college roommates at Ohio State, and because... He's not doing so much right now. <laughs> He'll have time to come to Madison this spring. This is basically what... I mean, Luke didn't provide any more information. Like, maybe there's a role for him in some capacity, but they've got 10 full-time assistant coaches, as far as I'm aware, and so I don't really know exactly what he would even do. Yeah, but they also have a, a ton of analysts as well, yes. right? So that that is that's what this is kind of feels like. It kind of feels like just something that is is going to be around as much as possible. All right. Well, what do, what does as much as possible mean, right? I don't think it's going to be I honestly I honestly think it's 
kind of a non-story. Yeah. I think it's a, an overreaction, like, oh, my God, he's going to be a part of the staff. He's going to be around on a day-to-day basis. Like, I just don't see that. Like, I see him maybe coming up a day or two and being around it for a little bit. Um, but, I mean, they are friends, obviously. Roommates in, in college and all that, and I get that. But, like, this isn't going to be – I don't think this is going to be like a Jim Leonard at Illinois type of thing mm. where he's, like, writing up stories and he's – or he's writing up reports, and he's he's down there four days a week during the season, and like that. I don't in, in, envision that being like the role that Mike Vrabel is. Now that being said, any time he spends around the team is a positive thing. Yes, like any anything that he can give them is going to be good. I mean, he was a former NFL coach of the year. He had a lot of success with Tennessee. Obviously, things didn't go the way that they wanted to. He's a big guy. I don't know if you know that. No, they're not. Intimidating, from intimidating. what I hear. Tough to get a job when you're that intimidating. I don't know how anybody can coach football if they're a former player. Well, your colleague at The Athletic, Diana Rossini, is the one that reported that. Um, and then she went back. She didn't go back on it, but she went. She like clarified it a little bit. Like People were intimidated. They wouldn't give him a job. Like just, just the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, but... I think I think it's, I think it's a it's being made too much of for what it actually is is probably going to end up being, which is again we're it's it's February eighth, and that's exactly what I was going to say. What other football stuff is going on? Nothing. You need something to talk about here? Something? No, absolutely nothing. Um, speaking of Jim Leonard, Jim Leonard has coached his final game as a college coach, and the reason is that an overreaction? No, and the reason I bring that up is because Brett Bielma spoke yesterday, I believe for their, whatever it was, their uh, Illinois signing, I assume their signing day, and said that uh, Leonard has some things in the fire, irons in the fire, but it is not with a college program. It is with, it's not about college coaches. Like, if he doesn't get these jobs, he will be at Illinois. He's not going, he's not like in the mix for a college defensive coordinator job. It's potentially in the NFL. So that is why I bring that up. Do you think he has already coached his last college game? Is this something he has no interest in doing whatsoever? Because there are a ton, a ton of defense coordinator job openings in, in college, and, and he has not jumped at any of them. Well, based on what Bielema said, that he wants a job not in college, <laughs> he's talking directly to Jim, and none of us have had that opportunity to do so since uh, his last game as defensive coordinator here. I'm inclined to say... Ever is a long time. I know. The thing I, lo- I love these. I love that well, well, when I do that because it, it's like, well, come on. I mean, ever. I know you react. I know what you're going to say every well, single time I say something like that. So here's my thought on that, though. I think that all these positions are sort of fluid. I like, especially in the NFL. I don't know that you can count on making a life for yourself there for more than whatever the shelf life is. Five years, three years. Now you could probably say the same thing at the college level but i also think um at the college level you have a chance to stay longer so i'm i'm not gonna say ever but i kind of feel like he said this before he wanted to be a coach the only place he wanted to do it was wisconsin like if that's not on the table it's hard for me to see another college so i'm not slamming the door but maybe down the road it's wisconsin that's kind of my thought Way, way, way down the road, hypothetically. In other words, when Chris McIntosh is no longer around? We would have to see. <laughs> long, long time. Long, long time. Long, long time. But I also, like, if I was a college coach right now and seeing the change that is happening in college athletics right now, I would want to skip out 
and then come back when it's all fixed. I think that makes sense. That makes sense. Like the job that they have to do, and I mean, they get paid a lot of money. So if that's the job, figure it out. But so much easier at the NFL level. You get to coach football. Yeah. You don't have to recruit. You don't have to worry about NIL. You don't have people transferring every year and re-recruiting your own team. They have contracts. You know when the contract is up. You probably know if the guy's not going to be there, and you know who's available on the market. So it, it does make uh, a lot of sense. And let's I, I doubt you disagree with this. I think Jim's going to be good wherever he goes. Yeah. It's just for him to do what he did at Wisconsin, having never coached ever, says a lot about his talent level. Yes, but I, him sticking in an analyst role, overtaking any of these other jobs, says a ton. Like, there have been some premier jobs available this offseason, defense coordinator-wise, where he could make a ton of money and be at a, at a program that has a chance to compete for a college football playoff spot, and he's not doing it. He's completely happy writing reports for Brett, Brett Bielema and going down there four days a week during the season and spending the weekends with his son, uh, with his with his family here in um, the Madison area. Like that says all you need to know about it in terms of like where he is college wise. For me personally, that's that's kind of where I'm at when it when it comes to him. Um, all right, come back on the other side. Talk a little spring ball. I know we're still what a month and a half away from it, but uh, there are some guys that we haven't talked about very much here since the end of the season or even during the season that I think are worthwhile to talk about as we get ready to look forward to spring ball here on Temple and Heilprin. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We are live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Per usual, Buck's about getting ready to take on the Timberwolves. Milwaukee, much like the Badgers, has uh, gone a bit of a slide, I would say. Uh, They've lost uh, four of their last five since Doc Rivers took over. Which is again is what it is, but they they added Patrick Beverly today. We're gonna do we're gonna do a little NBA um, trade deadline segments, but have nothing to do with the NBA trade deadline itself. Um, but they added Patrick Beverly to the roster, and we'll see if they're, he's able to help their defense. Wisconsin could use a Patrick Beverly, uh, an absolute trash talker that uh, <laughs> pisses everybody off. Um, but. Spring ball coming up here. Probably we're still a month, probably six weeks away. We haven't gotten an exact date on a start date for Wisconsin yet, but it's going to be mid to late March, late March uh, before they get on the field. And there are going to be a number of guys that we're keeping an eye on, like Tyler Van Dyke and some of the other transfers and some of the other guys that we have talked about being able to make moves and step up and a Tretch Kekahuna, guys that we're excited to, to see. But we have also not talked about a lot of guys that have a chance to make a move in spring ball and guys that kind of are under the radar and ones that we have not talked about whatsoever. And I kind of made a list of some of the ones that I I think stand out to me. And I wanted to start at wide receiver because we have talked all about Tretrick Ekahuna and Will Pauling and Quincy Burroughs and C.J. Williams and Bryson Green and Tyrell Henry for that matter. 
the, re- the transfer from Michigan State. The ones we have not talked about are a couple of guys that have made some plays in spring ball, but injuries kind of kept them off the field uh, in the fall, and that would be Tommy McIntosh and Chris Brooks Jr. And Chris Brooks Jr. certainly stood out big time early in spring last year. And Tommy, Tommy McIntosh at 6'5", and running you know 20 miles per hour is what we saw in those uh, thanks to um, Brady Collins. We have seen him have the athletic ability to especially on the outside to potentially make a move those are two guys that stand out for me yeah when i was thinking about this category i obviously cannot choose any of the transfers because we've talked about them so so this category is mostly guys who are returning that um and i'm not going to include any of the freshmen either because they've got 10 freshmen early enrollees so it's a very narrow i guess subset of players that we could discuss those two, absolutely. We've been talking about them for a long time before Chris Brooks got hurt, and now it's all blending together. Was that last spring that he got, got hurt? hurt? He got hurt in spring. They got hurt again in fall camp. But the first two practices, and of Tommy the spring, McIntosh did too. Yeah, the first two practices of the spring, Chris, or two of the first three, Chris Brooks had the catch of the day. Yeah, uh, both of them down yep. down the left sideline, and he was at that time, if I am not mistaken, was like working with the twos yep. as the outside wide receiver yep and um so he's got that talent i've gotten a lot number of questions in the last year about well with his body size can they move him to tight end and that would certainly be intriguing i think i've asked that question too they brought jackson mcgowan in and obviously grant stack and rob booker the second but he there is an opportunity and i found it interesting that you know kenny guyton the new wide receivers coach was talking specifically about trying to find more consistent playmakers on the outside. He yep. wasn't talking about the slot because we no. know what they have in Will Pauling. They're obviously very high on Tresh Kekahuna. Luke Fickle actually mentioned Tresh by name when he was discussing on the radio the other day uh, wide receivers. Clearly what he did in the bowl game stood out in his first real opportunity. But on the outside, we know some of the major players there. There is opportunity. And even though I pressed Guyton for names, he didn't give any. But I have to imagine that those two win healthy will certainly be in that mix. Yep, for sure. Uh, another one that we have not talked about along the offline, I feel like we have talked all about Joe Brunner yeah. and how we feel like he's going to be the next one up. Well, another guy who got some reps with the first team, at least in uh, their very short amount of time that we got to see bowl prep or those bowl, bowl practices down in Tampa, was J.P. Benshaw, a guy who is uh, a former four-star recruit, a uh, guy who's entering, what, his, will be his third year or his fourth year? Benchwall? Yeah. Fourth year. It'll be Red Fourth Redshirt year? Jr., I believe. Yeah. And it's and so, like, you know, some people will be like, well, if he hasn't made a move yet, when's he going to make a move? Well, look at the rest of that that 2D. Who else is there? Right? He is going to be, you would think, going to be among, potentially, potentially among the top six or seven guys that new offensive line coach A.J. Blazek is going to have. And spring is going to be a perfect opportunity for him to show that he belongs in there. Now, he's a tall guy, just like his, his just like um, Bo Benshaw. And uh, I know that he kind of has more of a tackle body, but he is certainly an inside guy because athletically, I think it's a, it's a better fit for him. What do you think? I think it's a great possibility that, that he's going to, if not start, absolutely be a part of the rotation. And Blasek talked about the fact that he called it some windows in there right now with some of the loss that they have. Obviously, they lost three guys to the transfer portal, and then Tanner Bordellini is going to the NFL draft. So the room is so weird, honestly. Like, just the disparity in the, in the guys who have played and then the guys who haven't. Because think about this. We talked about the four guys that were starters in the bowl game who are coming back. 
you know what you've got out of them for the most part. Yep. They have, in total, 13 scholarship linemen, and basically everyone that isn't those four have either played sparingly or not played at all. And so it's wide open. Like, Benchwall was backup right guard last season by the end. He played a total of seven snaps. Yep. The same with Joe Brunner. Um Jack Nelson's younger brother, Barrett, played a total of six snaps. James Duran didn't play at all, and you've got these five true freshmen coming in. So absolutely, I, I would look for Betchwall and Brunner in particular, I think, to be, I mean, one of them is going to start, and the other one will probably be the sixth guy. Yeah. And Blazek talked about, like, he wants to have his five starters, but he wants six, seven, and eight. And whether that means it's a swing tackle guy or a swing guard guy, I mean, it's one of those two guys in my yeah. mind. I for, and, and honestly, totally forgot about Barrett Nelson. Um, another guy that, that stands out for me, Nate White, kind of lost in the shuffle. We kind of yeah. talked about this on the camp because Luke Fickle talked about running backs, and he did not mention Nate White. So he is a guy that we know he has the athletic ability. We know that he uh, showed some flashes that we got, when we got to see him in fall camp last year. But this feels kind of like a, a not a make or break, but a, a rather significant spring ball for him because of the guys that are coming in in Dylan Jones and Darian Dupree and obviously Gideon Atuka is already here but Ches Malusi is not going to get too much work this this spring we know that Jackson Aker potentially potentially could be moving to another spot um, he talked about that after the bowl game again I know that was not talked about in the interview with Fickle but I feel like this is Nate White's time to show whether he either has it or he doesn't. If I'm going to guess, I'm going to I'm going to guess the latter on that. But it is what it is. This is an opportunity. Yeah, for a guy who's entering his redshirt freshman season, it's not a stretch to say that this is sort of make or break time, largely because of who they have coming in, and it, it is going to be a really unique spring because Ches is not going to do much of anything. They know what they have there, right? But you're going to see. To Wee Walker, who's got one year left, the transfer from Oklahoma, and you're going to see Atuka. And, like, Gideon's a totally different body type from Nate White. But yeah. whatever the body type is, there's only so many carries to go around, whether it's in a practice scrimmage situation or a game. And if Atuka can show that he's ready, you're in big trouble if you're a redshirt freshman and you've got the, the only early enrollee coming in and taking away some of those carries. And you've got the two four-star guys coming here in the summer. So this is a big-time moment for Nate White. The best thing for Nate White is he does have a different body type and a different skill set than anybody else that yes. is currently on the roster. Now that may change when Darian Dupree comes in and, and Dylan Jones certainly has that breakaway ability too, but nobody else I, I, among the scholarship guys is like that. Cade Iacomelli is has the burner to him, but he's also built like a truck, right? Like he's he's got that, that to him as well. Nate, little scat back type of stuff like that's more his game. He's not going to be a power guy. Um, so he's going to have an opportunity, and that's going to be very important for him to take advantage of. Um, going to the other side of the ball, defense line, what have we talked about? We've talked all about the guys that uh, are gone. We've talked about some of the transfers they brought in. We've not talked about the lone true freshman from last year. Was it the lone true freshman? from? Uh, he was. On scholarship. Yeah, on scholarship. And that was... Jamel Howard, who was a big win for them out of the Chicago area, a big guy who I think could certainly be someone that is going to have a chance, have a chance to step up and be in the mix for playing time based on what he does in the spring. Because you look at look at the look at the depth chart. There's not much there. No. <laughs> um, 
frankly, they needed more help out of the transfer portal. And, yeah. and what they ended up getting was one, Elijah Hills from Albany, who had a really good season at Albany, and that yeah, it's, yeah, it's the yeah, FCS yeah. level. Yeah. He was a big part of a defense that was one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah. But, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate. And you need, I, I don't know how many, like, I thought about this too. If you go down your all-time defensive lineman or most productive defensive lineman at Wisconsin in the last 15 years, there's not a lot of great years. I mean, no. they, they had the, the year when they had Alec James yep, and, and Connor Sheehy, right? Yep, 2017. That was probably as good as it got. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, when, when Keanu was a, a ju- yeah. uh, his, his senior year, was very productive. Yes. but not, Maybe not so of, much around him. Right, that's what I mean, <laughs> in terms of overall units. So yeah. they need a lot of help. I certainly think Jamel Howard, I mean, if he's ready, he's going to have a big opportunity. I want to throw one other name in here. Who we've talked about, but at another position, TJ Bowlers. Um, yeah, I was almost. Does, he, almost does he count as under the radar? Like he does, but he it barely means... played last year, and he didn't move to the defensive line until four start the very end of the season, and he got some playing time in the, yeah. in the bowl game. Yeah. So that's at least notable. Yeah. that they threw him in there. So I do wonder though, a full off season where he knows he's going to at least be on the defensive line. Who knows what he's going to weigh by that? Yeah, by that point, but they need help. Yeah, obviously, one guy who has been talked a lot about, but. I still don't know, and that's why I feel like he's kind of under the radar because nobody has any expectations for him, is Aaron Witt. Yeah. A guy who played in 2020, did not play in 21 or 22, then just stepped in late, got some special teams work against Minnesota, and then stepped on the field against LSU for the first time defensively since, you know, the bowl game three years earlier. I, I don't know what to expect, but he is another interesting name. Yeah, that outside linebacker room is just completely... Revamped um, and Aaron Witt. I mean, he's the only real holdover here. Um, now, Daryl Peterson, yeah. obviously, but and JP, but uh, or uh, not JP, Jeff Petrowski. Yeah. Well, in terms of guys who've been around for yeah, yeah, you know, pre pre fickle days, we saw what he did in very limited sample size way back in that bowl game, and I think you know you become sort of intoxicated by the idea of what he could be. He went so long without ever playing that even when he did play in the bowl game in the Relia Quest Bowl, I don't really know that it was fair to expect some no. amazing output. But if he's healthy, he can give them a, a big lift. And uh, but boy, that outside linebacker room in general is totally different. And I think it'll be it's a big deal that the two true freshmen that they have signed in that class are going to be part of spring football because they need the bodies. They've got seven scholarship outside linebackers. Yep. The one last position that uh, I wanted to throw out here, and obviously there's some corners that I think we could talk about. Mars Snowden, but I think people have yeah. at least thought about his his presence. They have an embarrassment of riches in their in their top two at at safety, right? With Roller and Latu and Zachman and and um, Austin Brown, you have those four, and it's like, okay, what about Braden Moore, a guy who again a four star recruit came in early last year, is not somebody that we have talked a lot about. Maybe he can force his way into action as well. Maybe in the slot. Maybe he's can can provide something there. Maybe or maybe Austin Brown is able to to go there and to be with R.J. Delancey and and give them something there. But not too many people talk about Braden Moore. I don't think either. Not right now. And he was a big time recruiting win yeah, for them. Huge win. Obviously, he was previously committed to Cincinnati, just like Amari Snowden was a four star guy. Yeah. They just don't get DBs that that are that highly rated. And uh, you mentioned the slot. I think that's an interesting spot because. From what I remember, they put him there at least a little bit in practice, largely because yeah. they needed to get him on the field, and that was where it was going to happen. So that could be an option. I think it's going to be awfully difficult to break through 
in that kind of a two deep because their top four is so talented. But there's just not a lot after that. It's really it's Braden Moore and Raphael Dunn, who's a true freshman, and he's not participating. I mean, he's not on campus yet. Right. So that's a lot of opportunity for Moore. Yeah, for sure. All right, we're going to come back on the other side, close up uh, the show, talk a little NBA trade deadline, but not. It's going to be a little college football trade deadline coming up on the other side. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple in High Alperin. Wrapping up the show here at Monks in Sun Prairie. Getting ready for Bucks and Timberwolves coming up at 7. Going to have to wait a little bit to get uh, Patrick Beverly on the court. Him and Damian Lillard do not like each other, or did not like each other, I should say. They had some, they had some battles. Apparently were able to squash the beef. Uh, today, as uh, Patrick Beverly was traded for a uh, campaign and a second round pick now in Milwaukee. Uh, we do not have uh, a draft yet, or I should say a trade deadline yet in college football. That would be but amazing. I, it feels like maybe it's, it's coming on down the line um, at some point based on everything else we've seen. And I know that there are so many things going on in college athletics that we could talk about. It's just I, everything changes on a day to day basis, and I'm not going to pretend that. I know exactly what's going on um, because it's it's going to change. Every court case is changing every single day. It's just it's crazy, and I much much props to the people that are covering on a day to day basis because it is nearly impossible um, to do. But that said, if they did have a trade deadline, I wanted to ask you this: um, you could add any player other than a quarterback in the country to Wisconsin's roster. Who would it be? Well, I guess the wrinkle is would I have to trade away a player See, in order to get somebody? I wanted to do that, but then it would be a little bit tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, I don't look at Wisconsin's roster and be like, they could really afford to lose no. some guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like where are they so bountiful in talent where they could just be like, oh, no, that's fine. We, we can trade him away. Well, so, like, in past years, maybe you could do that. If you look at the list of the Heisman Trophy frontrunners or the top returning players for 2024, almost all quarterbacks, so can't pick them. Uh, I'm going to stick with the offense for my number one trade pick here because I just want to see some points. I want (laughs) to see some big plays. We can get to the defense later, and I'm going to the great state of Oklahoma for that because Oklahoma State running back Ali Gordon II is going to be back in 2024. He's coming off a ridiculous year where he ran for 1,732 yards and 21 touchdowns. And so if he could give you that, mm-hmm. you'd feel pretty darn good about the uh, sure. air raid offense that Wisconsin has. Yep. So that's your number one pick? Do you have a number two pick? It'd be, uh, it'd be on defense. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay in Oklahoma. I'm going to go with Billy Bowman Jr. as a defensive back. And he finished second in the country in interceptions with six behind someone I think we're familiar with. You could pair them, Ricardo <laughs> Hallman and Bowman. And he had three pick sixes. So, they need help everywhere. They do. But I'm going to go there. I would see, and I was thinking, what could make Wisconsin's defense the defense that they want to play? How can they play the type of defense they want to play that they weren't able to do last year because they didn't have the pieces to do it? And they may still not have the pieces to do it. Um, Ricardo Hallman, while a very, very good player, I don't necessarily think is the prototypical 
corner uh, that they won't want to play with his size. But that said, one guy who is is Denzel Burke at Ohio State. 6'1", 190, decided to come back to school. Uh, a little bit of a surprise there. And I think he would just, with his size and his length and his athleticism, would fit in just absolutely perfect, perfect for them uh, at that spot. And, I, you know, there are a number of other corners that you could certainly pick. Will Johnson at Michigan's another guy that stands out. But there are so many different um, names that, that would jump out at you. And I, I wanted to go to a spot that would give them the type of defense that they want to play. And we'd know based on them continuing to add corners and add corners and add corners that that's the one spot that they desperately needed to do that at. I want to pick a defensive lineman also. I think um, that's, yeah. Uh, that would probably actually be number one if I could yeah. find somebody. Um, I think Ole Miss has a defensive tackle named Walter Nolan who is uh, coming off a year where he had 37 tackles and four sacks. Just give me somebody who's highly productive that can be a star because they could use that too. Just transferred in, I believe, from Texas A&M. Uh, was, was one of the top transfer portal guys um, on the market this this year and and lane kiffin managed to land him uh there are a number of really really good play like a travion henderson look how different he made ohio state in that game against wisconsin if they didn't have him i'm not sure they win that game he was amazing he is a absolute difference maker when when healthy and um i'm interested to see how that certainly plays out with him and uh was it quidshawn jenkins uh, the, the kid that transferred from ole miss into ohio state giving them quite the the duo there but Unfortunately for Wisconsin, they don't get to add anybody they want. Uh, they will have to deal with what they have on the roster, and uh, we'll get to see that at some point soon. All right, we'll be back next week to talk about Wisconsin, where they're headed uh, basketball-wise, and, and we'll get a little bit closer to spring ball. Thank